Welcome to All Power to the Developing, a podcast of the Eastside Institute. I'm Lois Holzman, co-founder and director of the Institute, and I want to tell you where our title comes from. The Institute is a center for social change efforts that reinitiate human and community development. We support, connect, and partner with committed and creative activists, scholars, artists, helpers, and healers all over the world. Way back in 2003, Institute co-founder, the late Fred Newman and I, had a paper published with the title, All Power to the Developing. This phrase captures how vital it is for all people to grow, develop, and transform emotionally, socially, and intellectually, if we are to have a shot at creating something positive out of the intense crises we're all experiencing. Our hope is that this podcast series will show you that far from a slogan, all power to the developing is a loving activity, a pulsing heart in an all too cruel world. everybody. Um, my name is Carrie Loebman, and um, I am the leader of education and research at the Eastside Institute, and I'm going to be your host for this episode of All Power to the Developing. I'm very, very pleased to have with me Gloria Strickland. Um, I'm going to introduce her briefly and also introduce the All-Stars Project, um, where she works. So Gloria is the Senior Vice President, Chief Youth and Community Development Officer at the All-Stars Project. And the All-Stars is a leader in the field of after-school development here in the United States. The All-Stars is our sister organization. Um, the Eastside Institute and the All-Stars kind of grew up together. We were both co-founded by the late Dr. Fred Newman. And we share an activistic understanding of human development and a methodology that taps into the human ability to play and perform to support the development of individuals and communities and hopefully the world. Um, over the past 40 years, the All-Stars has developed an approach to engaging poverty and transforming the lives of youth and communities in partnership with caring adults, using the power of performance through free after-school programs for young people, including the All-Stars Talent Show Network and the Development School for Youth and Operation Conversation Cops and Kids. The All-Stars is a national organization. I'm actually on the board of the All-Stars Project. And it also has affiliates around the world. Um, listeners to this podcast might recall that we featured the London All-Stars on this podcast in a previous episode. In addition to the on-the-ground organizing and youth programs, the All-Stars is playing an increasing and key role in shaping policy and supporting the emergence of developmental after-school programs around the country. So let me tell you a little bit about Gloria, um, who I've known for many years. She's been a mentor of mine and, and somebody who's um, really helped shape my understanding of outside of school work and work with young people. Um, in her role, um, Gloria works to creatively advance the All-Stars Project standard of excellence for youth programs around the country, train program leaders and staff, and implement community-based strategies that engage leaders and policymakers in the All-Stars Project's mission. She previously served as the founding city leader of the All-Stars Project of New Jersey 
from 1999 to 2018 and established the after-school development movement in Newark, Jersey City and surrounding communities. During her time at the All-Stars of New Jersey, during her time there, the All-Stars Project of New Jersey grew to reach over 2,000 young people each year in Newark and Jersey City and to engage the support of more than 1,000 individuals and corporations in the Garden State. Again, another connection Gloria and I have is our work in New Jersey, mine at Rutgers, hers in um, Newark with the All-Stars. Under her leadership, the All-Stars Project of New Jersey helped launch the National Afterschool Development Movement by hosting the country's first annual after-school development conference in 2010, and then the first after-school development working group. She has also spearheaded a groundbreaking partnership with the city of Newark and Major Mayor Raz Baraka, leading to the development of Newark, of New, in Newark of Operation Conversation Cups and Kids. Um, Gloria has a 40-year record of commitment, innovative leadership, and service to poor communities, and prior to joining the All-Star, she served as executive director of the Somerset Community Action Program and the Somerset County Head Start. Wow, thank you for joining us, Gloria. That's quite a history. Um, and I actually thought I'd love to, um, I know a little bit about your history, but I'd love to hear a little from you, how you came to be doing this work, kind of what drove you, do you think, to be you know, committing most of your adult life to supporting um, children and young people growing up in poor communities. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, thank you, Carrie. I'm, I'm so pleased to join you today. Really excited about it. Uh, yeah, what what sparked <laughs> my interest? And I have to say, it, much of it has to do with growing up and how I grew up. I mean, grew up in Long Island. Mm -hmm. I grew up as a poor kid in a house with no central heating and, you know, no plumbing and uh, with my mom, my dad, and we had very tough times. And uh, we learned, I learned as a kid, how to navigate uh, growing up poor. And in some sense, I learned mm -hmm. how to put on one face <laughs> when I went to school and uh, kind of hide the poverty and somewhat embarrassed by it. But at the same time, uh, how to have fun as a kid. Mm -hmm. So I realized growing up poor wasn't one-sided. It wasn't one way. Uh, it had a multitude of faces. And it was tough. I grew up as a tough kid. So I realized many people didn't know how I grew up. So they would um, make assumptions about who I was as a kid. And I knew that I never wanted to be a person who looked at a young person, whether they were poor or working class or not, mm. and just look at them at the surface level and not really go beyond that and not really help to figure out how people could do something different in their lives. So I think I always had a sensibility of uh, what it's like growing up when adults have no clue <laughs> yeah. around you. Yeah, I think that inspired me. Uh, and certainly more recently, I mean, I met our co-founder, Dr. Falani, in college during the 60s. And it was a very culturally intensive period in the 60s as part of the Black Power Movement, uh, liberation struggles, uh, a lot of conversation about um, oppression and oppression of women and of gay people and poor people and Black people. So I kind of grew up mm. in my college years being really thrown into a world that was uh, very uh, both challenging and culturally alive. So, you know, as a young kid, 
and as a college kid, I mean, they had a great impact on where I was going to go when I came out of school. Great impact on my life. It's interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping we return to some of those themes as we were talking. I was thinking when you when you talked about the the, the ways in which you learned to hide your poverty, mm-hmm. and I, I know that that um, shapes some of the work that you do with young people now. Um, yes. So let's see. I think my next question might take us there. It might not. We'll see. We might come back to it. Um, so the title of this podcast is All Power to the Developing. And I, yeah. I thought it might be an interesting place to start for you to share, you know, what that means to you. Um, it's, a, it's a title of a paper that our co-founders, um, Dr. Fred Newman, and in our case at the Institute, Dr. Lois Holtzman wrote many years ago. So what does it mean to you? And does it speak to your work at the All-Stars? Um, and maybe another way of putting it is, what do you think development and power have to do with engaging poverty, which is mm-hmm. what the mission of the All-Stars is? Well, I'll tell you, my first thought, all power to the developing, to me, has so much to do with where we are right now in America Mm. and in the world. I mean, all power to the developing. And I, I say that, so I'll make a general statement first, is because clearly the tools, the approaches, the ways of seeing, the ways of being in this country are failing us as a people, and I mean all people. And to create something new is what we're gonna need to do because the old ways aren't working. And in order to create something new, that that we're talking about growth and development, Mm -hmm. talking about new possibilities. So I do say all power to the developing, meaning all power to people who can come together and create something new that moves us forward in this country. So that's like a general statement. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's the, how do you do that? And there's the, how are we at All Stars contributing to that? Because I clearly know that we are contributing to that as as well as others. But that's my first response to that. That's a great response. It it certainly speaks to me and, and the last, you know, we'll talk some about what this last year has been like, but I think it has exposed the underdevelopment if you will, of humanity and in our inability to respond to the crises that we have. But, yeah. but I would love for you to get a little more specific at this yeah. point then. Tell me a little of what that, what that has looked like in your work at the All-Stars, both with young people and perhaps with donors and staff, but certainly mm-hmm. with the youth and communities mm-hmm. that you've worked in. Well, I mean, for, for the past 40 years, I mean, All-Stars is uh, a little over 40 or well, 39 years old actually now. I mean, our focus has been to work with young people and to engage poverty and how poor kids are growing up, poor kids in inner cities are growing up and the impact of poverty on their lives. That, that's, that's our commitment. I mean, that's our mission, you know, transform the lives of youth in poor communities in partnership with caring adults. So that's our mission. And we, as you had referenced earlier in the intro, we organized youth programs designed to support and engage and most importantly, to support the development of inner city poor youth. You see, I think that's what's key because one of the things we and others know and recognize is that one of the impacts of poverty, growing up poor, is that you are underdeveloped. You are robbed of your capacity 
to grow, to develop, to see new possibilities, to have new experiences that create new possibilities, to work with new people, go to new places, do all the things that people in kind of middle-class and affluent life do so that you can be someone who can take a new possibility, act on it, create something new in your life, see something new for your life. And you're constantly as a young person, just surrounded and limited and overdetermined by what is not what's possible. So we designed youth programs that explicitly are to bring our young people and connect them to all the possibilities in mainstream America because by and large, poor kids are kept out of mainstream America. So how do you connect young people to this new part of a world that we can connect them with, which is mainstream America, with people who thrive in mainstream America, have privilege and access? And how do you connect our young people to those lives, to those people, not for them to be those people, Hmm. but for them to be able to see what's possible, what possibilities are, and for them to then take those new sites, those new experiences, and begin to create something new for their lives and their communities. So how can, how do we do that? So, so one of the things is we, we created this program called Development School for Youth, and literally it is bringing young people together with affluent business people. Mm. Well, business people, th- that's one of the groups in America, Young people, we bring them together. Many of those business people are white, not all, many of them. And their CEOs, you know, their directors, our young people have never had conversations, have never seen the worlds that other people live. Many of them go to their downtowns, they see these buildings, they don't know what's inside. So we, we created a program where every week they go to these different places and they see these new ways that people are and how they are and what they talk about and how they dress and what they do. And they engage in conversation and experiences. And again, it's not because I think, you know, we have 50 kids and they should, you know, all have a briefcase and you know, work on a computer and, you know, no. What I am saying is they... I want them to know that there's some other different kinds of things in the world that they can consider Mm. that can shape their ideas and their thoughts for themselves and can grow them to be more sophisticated about what there is and how and how there is in the world and have more options in their lives. And it turns out, I mean, we've been doing this now, you know, that particular program over 20 years. So we discovered some things and what we discover is what, first of all, young people like it, (laughs) they enjoy it, they feel challenged by it, and it helps them to try on new performances in their lives. And they have told us, because now the program's 20 years old, so now they're in their 20s and 30s, and they have expressly told us how having these experiences have help them make new kinds of decisions in their lives. And they've created all kinds of lives that they wouldn't have. And they've said this to us. So I don't know, I mean, our world is bigger than 10 blocks. So why not connect our kids to the world? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a way that we've engaged poverty because we have helped young people to see themselves in a new way so that they can be able to create new things in their lives. And you use the word, there's so much in what you just said, and I 
I'm going to come back to some of it, but you, you, you used the word performance, yes. which, mm-hmm. um, you know, is, is in the mission of the all-stars. It's at the heart of what the methodology we share of the, the human, but tell me a little bit about what you mean by performance and what it has to do with development and perhaps even mm-hmm. power. What, what, yeah. How do you see that? Well, I mean, I think one thing, I mean, performance, I'm talking about human beings' capacity to be creative, mm-hmm. to put two things together in new ways and not because it's in some overdetermined way. So you have a paintbrush and you have an easel. Does that mean it's overdetermined that one should stick the brush in a can and paint on the paper? You can do many things with that. You can decide to create a dance with that. Mm-hmm. So you can do that in life. So I, I, I think performance is supporting young people to understand that they are creative human beings. And in life, there are many different kinds of performances in your life. So just to give you like a concrete, somewhat silly example that the kids kind of love, you know, is that we say to them, you go when you were going to your in-person schools every day, which they don't do right now, we would say to them, okay, you open your closet and you pick a costume. Mm-hmm. What's your costume? We ask them. Most of them is blue jeans and some kind of top. Got it. Now, I don't know, when you go to uh, I don't know, your aunt's wedding, what's, you open your closet. What's the costume? Majority will not say blue jeans. They say a pair of slacks, you know, a dress, a blouse with a bow or something. So what we're saying to them is in life, you are a performer. You open up your closet and you create a costume for the performance that you're going to undertake that day. Whether it's in the classroom, whether it's going to a wedding, you know, whether it's, I don't know, some jam session down the block. And that people are as human beings are performers and yet we're not taught that we can create many performances mm-hmm. in our lives we're taught we should just go along with everything dress the way everybody does and not be creative in our lives so so to me that's the the essence mm-hmm. to me of performing because then you can look at your life circumstances you can look at a situation you can be in a certain situation and you know what you could create a different sentence mm-hmm. You don't have to blast that person. You don't have to use the sentence, I'm angry Mm -hmm. with you. So I'm going to call you a screwed up, whatever. You can say, I'm angry with you. And I'm not going to call you anything because you know what? You're still my friend, but I can't talk to you right now. Well, that's two different sentences in Mm -hmm. a play. So we support them to see that life has many different kinds of plays. It really has many kinds of stages. And that you as a performer can learn to be creative and create new ways to be and go in your life. Now, we don't, I'm saying this to you, I'm having a conversation. By and large, you know how they don't learn it through conversation. We actually begin to learn it because we have many improv exercises (laughs) and we we engage them in improv like week after week after week. And improv, one of the things that improv supports you to do as a human being is to kind of, very, uh, without planning, without any rules governing you, <laughs> be responsive, try something uh-huh. new, uh, get, break out of that overdetermined way of being, yeah. exercise your creative muscles. 
But that's what I'm shooting for. I'm going for them to be able to use those creative mm. muscles and perform those creative muscles in all kinds of life experiences so that they're not just reacting right. in some kind of pre-programmed way to their lives, which can be detrimental and clearly under developmental. So yeah. I, I hope that's a helpful way. Oh, I think it is. It made me think back to your, when you first started sharing about your own childhood. And I'm, I'm just thinking this now I'm trying to, yes. so you talked about, and I think many of us have this experience that even w- that we often learn how to perform in different ways in different, right? So you, in school, you knew you better not let people know, for example, that you didn't have running water or you bet right. like there was a, and I think many people feel like that kind of experience can actually be very painful, right? You're hiding at the same mm-hmm. time that you're learning that you can be different things. But what you're describing, if I get it correctly, and it's been my experience, it's making that you can do that a, a tool in your repertoire, a, 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 something you can Choose is a funny word, but you can pull, you're, you're driving that together with other people. You're creating that. And I I think that's a different experience for young people than Mm -hmm. having to hide who they are um, without even knowing what they're doing. Just knowing that if I don't hide who I am, I'm going to get slammed. I'm going to get, and I I don't know whether does that, I'd not thought of that until I put those two things together. It's interesting that you, you, you're tapping on it because I think that even hiding who you are, now bear with me now, there's many ways you can do that. There isn't yeah. one way to do that. Yeah. So I think that when you are proactive in your life, when you are proactive creating your life, one of the things I think it does impact it does impact the level of pain. I think it does impact the level of humiliation because it is painful to to hide that you don't Mm -hmm. want people to come to your house. But I I do think if you're just saying, hey, here's why, how I want to do that, then it's taking your pain and it's actually building something with it, not just hiding it, you know? So if you have emotions and you're able to build something with your emotions, it even changed the relationship of your emotions. It's mm. not that things don't hurt, but they hurt and they build. Yeah. They, it's humiliating and it's, it's giving. I think that changes its relationship and the impact it has on you as a person. Mm. I didn't have that as a child, as a kid. And I'm so happy I can offer that to so many other young people who have said thank you. I appreciate that. I thought the only thing I had was being stuck. See, that's that's the other way of yeah. hiding. All I have is stuck. And I feel like our young people are saying, you know what? I don't just have stuck. Right. <laughs> I have stuck and I can do some something with some of this messy stuff. That frees me up. That frees me up to live a little yeah. bit more. And we can do that. I'm kind of happy. That's great, Gloria. We're going we're gonna to take a short break. This is fantastic. And when we come back, I do want to talk some about what this year has been like um, and, um, and find out a little bit about what you and the All-Stars have been doing.
The Eastside Institute is a hub for a diverse and emergent community of social activists, thought leaders, and practitioners who are reigniting our human abilities to imagine, create, and perform beyond ourselves, to develop. Each episode will introduce you to another performance activist or play revolutionary from around the world. The Institute is independent of government and corporate foundations. Our work is entirely funded by students and supporters. If you would like to help the Institute expand its developmental work, please make a contribution by going to eastsideinstitute.org and click the Get Involved tab, where you can make a donation. Thanks. And now, back to our conversation. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Um, thanks, Gloria. I, I, I feel like there's a lot to build off of in what in what we're both saying. And, and I... I do know, you know, both of us know that these things are not um, simple. They're not unprovocative. They are provocative in the world. Um, As as many people in the world try to grapple with the seemingly um, entrenchable racism and and poverty in this country. Um, But this has been a particular year in which people have been dealing between the pandemic and the lockdown that came from that and the huge economic repercussions that were probably felt and experienced much more strongly in the communities in which you and the All-Stars work, the vicious murder of George Floyd and many others and the outpouring of response to that. Um, and, and I would say the increased polarization in our country and, and the seeming inability of particularly um, people of color and poor white people to have conversations with each other and so I know that's a lot, but, and, um, and one thing in particular that's happened to young people is what you referenced, that many schools have been not been able to offer um, the kinds of programming and be, but such two of our after-school programs as well. So what's mm-hmm. the All-Stars been doing this year and how is it, how is all of that, do you think, impacted on, on what you've been doing and building? Uh, yes, it, it has been. Wow, what a challenging and very different kind of year it has been. And one of the things, uh, it was March 15th, I remember the day when- I know we're uh, creeping up on it, right? Officially, remotely. And of course, like many other nonprofits, our programs before had been uh, all all in person, of course, with young people coming after school and on weekends. So the Development School for Youth program that I referenced before uh, had been meeting every week and groups of young people across the country had been going to different corporations and our corporate partners were leading um, workshops and training. So we we just immediately, I mean, immediately decided to pivot, to just literally meet with our young people um, just very directly. At first it was conference call. We did the first conference call with them. And then we went immediately to Zoom. And what we decided to do, knowing that this was a new experience for them and for many of our team members also, who had not themselves been working on Zoom, we literally spent two to three weeks just teaching all of us how to perform on Zoom. like, what did that look like? Well, Getting, that, that must have tapped into the performance <laughs> methodology. <laughs> it really did. I mean, everything from practicing how to how to look on the camera, you know, what it meant to turn it on, what it and also we included in that the conversations about how did the young people feel about mm. doing it? 
because many of our young people, teenagers, I mean, they'll be on camera if they can control how they're on camera, you know, and how they look. And so we took the time to say, what is this like? How does this feel? What does it mean to create an ensemble? Because we talk a lot about ensemble building and in our work with youth and they're creating ensembles to support each other. So what did it mean now to create an ensemble that would support each other? What does it mean to show up for each other on a platform that's a visual platform? And we, had, we took the time to do that. And immediately one of their responses was they appreciated that we weren't just saying you have to get on Zoom, but they appreciated they were asking them, how were they doing? Mm-hmm. And some of those conversations also included they were missing their friends. They were, there were conversations about who they missed, their fears. Things were closing down around them, what that was like. And they expressed a lot of appreciation that we showed up every mm-hmm. week. And the second thing, adults listened to this. They appreciated that we did not complain. Mm. They said so many of the, and I don't want to you know, do a negative thing on teachers, but so many of their teachers were just upset themselves yeah. and they heard a lot of complaints. We weren't complaining. We were saying, we're in this together. Let's go forward. Let's do this. Mm. So, so that meant we also were teaching our partners, our business partners also how to perform on Zoom. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the young people loved that some of the adults in the professional world also did not know how to perform right. well on Zoom. So some of the young people were teaching the adults how to do this. So what was happening is here's a new circumstances that was new for everybody. Okay, think of this new stage for everybody where everybody had to create a new performance. So for us, in terms of a developmental community, Here's an opportunity for everybody to grow. So over the next many weeks, the adult business people, the young people and the staff member actually created something new together that I think had an impact on everybody involved because it didn't belong to the staff, it didn't belong to the youth or for our business partners. Mm. What was created, which was success, belonged to everybody. Everybody took responsibility for it everybody owned it and everyone got the gratification for the success. Mm -hmm. So it was such a new experience for our young people. And they kind of stood up, stood tall, kind of grew through the process. So during the summer, you know, we used to place young people in in in-person internship and we weren't able to do that. I mean, we we used to place like three and 400 young people. So we offered a development program and we created some new activity we did, we did have about 100 kids in a virtual internships. And we said, look, do you want to keep growing and developing? There's no paid internship, but is that something you want to do? And about 130 kids said yes, and another 100 were in virtual. So we, we worked with about 230 young people. We created a new program called, um, it was a, a development coaching. It was mentoring with adults, adult match with a young person. It was new. It was based on adults being open to creating a relationship with a young person and building on those relationships and the young person being willing to create a relationship with an adult and, and creating something new that would support them. Uh, overwhelmingly, we, we surveyed after the end of it and both it was new for us and both the young people and the adult 
felt supported, felt that they was valuable, uh, felt that they got experiences and information they hadn't had before, and the adults felt very impacted on. Mm -hmm. So, so in that sense, I think it is our continuation of bringing diverse communities together and for them to support them to find new ways to see and hear each other and to be with each other and to impact each other. Because that's what, when you're disparate and you're apart, you have no opportunity to see and hear and learn and impact each other because you're so far apart. And right. what happens is there are not opportunities to support you to do that. So then what you have is the continuation of no one impacting the other yeah. person. So I think we really contributed to that. And then we also had many adults who said, hey, I want to find a way to, to come out of my bubble, if you will, and to, to be in a more diverse environment and to learn more about what I have to give in that environment. Mm. And I think if people are asking and wanting to do that, I feel committed to our supporting and taking them up on the offer and helping them to see that it's not such a simple thing to yeah. do. But if you want to do it, we'll help guide you, help support you to do that. Uh, so that's what we, we've had many, many, many adults, new adults. I mean, not so much new, they knew the all-stars, but they had never decided to volunteer in this way, who began volunteering. Interesting. Yeah, so, and we're, we're not easy on you, you know, we're lovingly tough on you, so it's good. What does that look like? Oh, well, it's that, for example, you may have people who say, well, do you have a curriculum? I said, well, we don't have a curriculum to navigate and administrate creating a relationship with a kid from the inner city community. We don't have a curriculum, but what we do have are some performance and some guidance on how you can perform to make that happen. Mm. And it's the other thing, we have a check-in where you can ask for help. Now, interesting, many adults don't want to ask for help. <laughs> they don't think they need help. So right there, that puts them in a situation to say, you know, to support you to do this, you may have to come and get some coaching yourself. And are you willing to do that so you can be successful? So we, we put in these, you know, yeah. you can't administrate it. You know, you have to support it and have it grow. You know, so that's, yeah. that's not easy for people. No, no. I mean, I think that harkens back to what we said at the very beginning, which was that, um, you know, this this year, but really many decades have exposed everybody in this country is fairly underdeveloped. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think um, one of the experiences I've had in conversations with other board members at the All-Stars is them beginning to recognize in this year, oh, maybe I, as an affluent white person, I have to grow in order to have these conversations with young people in order to understand. And, and that growth from what I hear you saying is less about coming to, I mean, just knowing what poverty or racism is, but actually having experiences of building with people and creating something with other people. And that that's where the, if you will, the, the growth comes from not um, just, you know, learning or knowing something about it. Well, I think because I think all too often the way adults and young people have 
been put together in all, in all different forms is that the adult is the expert. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you can't come in and say, well, I'm going to be the expert on this. Yes, you can bring what you are expert in or have expertise that, in. Yes. You have an expertise in science. You can give, but, you, but you don't know how to create this relationship. Right. You really don't. And you have to, like you're saying, you have to radically accept that so that you can go forward and say, okay, there's some growing I need to do mm-hmm. too. And that's, that's important. And in and, and, and a po- very positive note, we have had many people who have said, I'm willing to take that step. I'm willing to take that because, you know, adults aren't supported to keep growing right. in this society because supposedly traditional development is, oh, by this time you're already grown. You are who you are. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and we're, and that's not our view. Yeah. Our view is development is a lifelong journey. <laughs> you could be, you know, 47, 57. You know what? You can reinitiate and create some new growth in your life. Mm. And that's what we're saying and communicating. And people are beginning to hear that because that's what it's going to take to create. That's a new possibility. That's what it's going to take for growth and development to happen, to impact our country. We can't say, okay, we need to do something about this. However, we must already know how. Mm. Yeah. And I also feel because our young people have, you know, thousands, tens and thousands of young people now have gone through our development programs and having gone through it, they are now young people who can lead the way in saying, oh, mm. guess what? This isn't about what you already know. They can provide that kind of leadership in many of the adult environments that they are now a part of. They are, can really say that with confidence because of what they went through. And they can actually help others take a step to say, okay, we can learn something anew. So do you have, is there, is there a growing um, alumni grouping that are continue to be involved? Yes, there is. There is. We have an alumni council, you know, for one who are uh, now taking on leadership and creating opportunities for more and more of our alumni to be involved. Mm -hmm. We also have a, alumni LinkedIn for our development school for youth program uh, are the program where we just recently developed that was development coaching, mm-hmm. the matching. We reached out to alumni who are now like 27, 28, 29 years old. And many of them signed mm-hmm. up to be coached and they were so happy yeah. to hear from us. And so happy that they were back participating in what they said is a performatory environment and getting, I guess, kind of reconnected means they can take, continue to take that back out. So it is a a growing alumni network, which is really, really good. good. Gloria, I want to, I want to explore one more avenue or maybe two, but um, before Mm -hmm. we stop. So one is, I mean, and you and I have actually done some of this work together, but I know in the last couple of years has been an increased focus at the All-Stars in partnering with other after-school organizations. And, and really, you know, outside of school, after school is such a, it's an interesting animal, right? In many yeah. cases, it's 
purely childcare, right? Fam- which is great. Parents need help. In other cases, it's homework help. And this is a new field really of after-school development, of really putting development front and center. So I was wondering if you could share sort of what the response has been from other organizations that you've begun, we've begun to work with about kind of seeing their work as critical to the development of young people in our country. Yes, this work, I mean, it's going really well. Uh, our most active areas are in Dallas. Chicago has a very large group and in Newark. And uh, pretty much we've been working in some ways with this after school development working group network since 2013. Mm, so a while in now. In some cases, uh, it's, at least it started, well, actually New York had a group in 2012, but 2013 really. And one of the, I mean, one, various responses. For one, people who work in after-school nonprofit organizations, by and large, one of the first things they say is they often work in isolation. Mm-hmm. They have very little opportunity to connect with each other because many of them, some of them are under-resourced, some of them are understaffed or under-resourced, and they are working, 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 getting the job done but they don't often have time to connect with each other, find out what each other are doing, get support from one another. Mm. Also, that means they don't have as much time to talk to other adults <laughs> in the field uh, or the developing field. So, so they've appreciated that. And many of them have created their own collaborations that are non-bureaucratic, where they can come together and share resources and share skills and abilities and programmatics to support the young people. So that's been one thing that people have found valuable. The other thing is too, it's interesting because many of the activities that they undertake uh, in their programs, because they are outside of schools, like on Saturdays or they're after schools and they're very group oriented. Mm. Much of their work is group oriented. They really carry out all kinds of developmental activity just throughout the regular course of their work. The adult, young people, relationships are are very much focused on relationship building. They're not necessarily like didactic where they're the teacher. It's not authoritarian in that same kind of way that's designed. So they have all kinds of opportunity to build relationships with young people, to have young people impact what they're doing, support the leadership of young people and, uh, and are very creative. So we spent a fair amount of time in a way helping them to see that the thing that they are doing Mm. is very much contributing to the development of young people. And in fact, because young people are with them after school and on Saturdays, it makes it possible for them to navigate some non-creative environments. So it's helping, I think, for people to really appreciate more the significance of what they're doing. Yes, education is important and so is development, though development is not invested in to the degree. Mm. And we have many people beginning to see, oh my goodness, if we didn't have these development activities, oh my gosh, those educational environments may be even less successful if they are because these kids would have more of a trouble navigating, right? You know, so... So one, they became able to see more of this, the importance and the significance and the value of what they are 
contributing. And I think puts people in more in a position to be more demanding mm-hmm. <laughs> of investment, more demanding of uh, attention, more. You of mean in advocate. the world, right? Being yeah, seen in the world. more in the world as who we are. And, who- and more of an advocate for the investment in outside of school, after school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the literature is kind of catching up with us, I say, because you do see more literature around, you know, the value of young people in internships and in other outside of school activities. Uh, the, we also, we have a, uh, what's called, uh, an area of our work where we are creating uh, webinars and we have a classroom, as you know, because you were one of our co-teachers on the future of after school, where we are inviting people in the after school and outside of school arena to come and participate in more educationals around development, around methodology, around approaches, around other ways to understand uh, what development is, what growth is. Mm. And the responses have been very, very positive. When people in the after school arena appreciate rigorous educational yeah. environments. It's also often viewed as if child care, child care workers don't want rigorous learning and education. And what we have seen is not only do people want it, you know, they want to come back. They want to stay longer. They want us to do more. Yeah. And I think to me that validates uh, the importance of us creating more opportunity for people in the after school uh, arena to have more of this uh, and not less and to bring people more and more together around this. And maybe perhaps one day there'll be a whole field that emerges where you can get your degree in after school development, yeah. you know, down the road. <laughs> but yeah. I, I just feel that that network is, is just so vibrant and so uh, alive and the leaders are, are just, just wonderful people in this field of after-school development. It's going yeah, I mean, one of the well. things that has been so moving to me in being involved in that, in that future of after-school course is even in this moment in which people are, you know, their programs are being shut down, they're cutting back on salaries, they're doing, people have so eagerly engaged in this activity of wanting to grow. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it is a field, as we know, similar to early childhood education and where people have been so underpaid and undervalued and not related to as professionals who have something to give. And then on top of that, saying to them, you not only have something to give, but you have something to give around human development and play and performance and creativity that is not being um, talked about. Is not, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be leaders. You're not yes. just, I, I feel like people have really jumped at yes. that. Um, yes. yes. Well, your final area that I'd be amiss if I didn't say or ask or George. So the All-Stars is um, 100% independently funded. It doesn't take government funding. So many of the things we're talking about today are um, not the norm in, in the field. There's a lot of cutting edge innovation, breaking from sort of traditional ways of understanding poverty, of understanding development, of understanding performance and play. Is there a, what's, what do you see as a relationship between those, the, the independent funding and the innovation? And, and mm-hmm. how does that impact your work as somebody who's been on the program side for most of your time? Not that you, I'm sure you'd also raise money and 
but your focus has been the development of the programs. Has that independent funding helped you? Has it been, what's that looked like for you? Well, I mean, it's, I think a couple of things I think about. One, the independent funding, majority of it, I'm going to say 80%, has been individual donors. So what to me is significant about that, it, that is one of a, an important way where individuals who live in this society, who have all kinds of privilege and needs, themselves have made a decision that they are going to support an organization that's about growth and development and bridge building and diversity. Those people, each of those individuals who made that decision connect to hundreds of other individuals. That to me is significant. So we're not a number, we're not uh, a RFP, you know, a proposal, which is great. We're not just some abstraction. We are connected to real people in America and diverse communities. That to me is one successful. So that that's what it means to be independent. The other thing too, and look, I, I was, I, I ran a Head Start, I ran Community Action. I know what it means to have an RFP. I know what it means to, you know, to fill out a proposal. I also know what it means if you have a funding source mm-hmm. that's going to overdetermine what you want to do. And I, I just think we have the privilege and the direction that we took that we yeah. really not overdetermined in terms of the design of what we're doing. We really can be directly responsive to people, to people's impact on what we're doing, to creativity, to the quality and the places we go, who we read, you know, what people in psychology and arts and education we want to listen to. And I think that's just huge. Mm. That's huge. And it means that we can be more accountable for what we're doing, not less, more accountable and more accountable in the ways that we want to be accountable. And secondly, we then, if you go back and take a look at the after school development working group, we can then be a force that can support all kinds of um, opportunities for other organizations because of our independence. And we can support other people, other organizations through the working groups. We can bring people together because we're not overly determined by one group or another. We not take sides. We are really independent. We are (laughs) welcoming everybody, including our donors, (laughs) you know? And my goodness, boy, if the world could work that way. I am not saying this to toot my horn, but my goodness, Our involvement is so diverse. We're a little microcosm of what is possible in the Mm. world. I think independence has, has, you know, without it, we would not have done what we've done. That is is a great place to bring this conversation to a close and hopefully open up many other conversations. Um, I'm sure if people are interested in finding out more, they can reach out to you, reach out Mm -hmm. to the All Stars Project, but Gloria, you know, it is always enjoyable to talk to you, but this really, I, I love where we went with this. And I, I appreciate, I know this year has been both very growthful and very challenging. And I, I just want to thank you for the work that you've done this year to to not only keep the All-Stars going, but keep it growing, which I think has been happening. So thank you. Well, thank you, Carrie. And thanks for the podcast. It's 
really been great spending time. <laughs>